Mike Tom was asked about Kenny Pickett's struggles in the first, second, and third quarters, and he gave a peculiar answer that I thought was very telling about what direction he's leading the team. But some people think it means that he doesn't want fast starts, that he wants slow defensive grinding games. Let's talk about that. And that, what he said about George Pickens and Broderick Jones becoming a starter, all that and more here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show in your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the app you can download right to your phone. When you download the app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More on Game time later we are joined by jeff hathorn from 93.7 the fan he is everywhere in the pittsburgh sports scene he's hosting shows with jeff capel he's on he's, he's talking steelers he's talking pity talking pirates talking pick, he talks everything how lucky pittsburgh. am i right <laughs> exactly and now you're talking steelers right let's us. do this let's get into this so jeff mike addressed a question that basically everyone has been asking since the start of Kenny, Kenny basically, yeah. Since the Steelers won a game, why can't Kenny Pickett do what he does in the fourth quarter, in the in in the first, second, and third quarters? Because if you look at his splits throughout throughout the throughout the game, and we've talked about this a lot, he has, I mean, one of the worst quarterback passer ratings. Uh, in the first quarter in the NFL, one of the worst in the second quarter of the NFL, a little bit better in the third quarter, but he's literally a top five quarterback in fourth quarter passer rating. And our friend, Mike, uh, Mike Prezuda, uh, a.k.a. Uh-huh. Triv, he asked Mike Tomlin this, a question about what needs to change for that. And here was how Mike Tomlin answered it without really answering it, but then put in the point of why he didn't give Triv what he was wanted to say here so let's just listen to how mike tomlin answered the question was asked about kenny pickett's struggles in different quarters mike i think pickett's quarterback rating 75 in the first three quarters is there something that's particularly not happening for him what what is his rating in the fourth quarter it's like 108 well just ask it from that perspective (laughs) he's awesome in the fourth quarter and he rises up in those moments Uh, he wants to be the reason why we're successful he prepares his tail off. Um, in some instances where people run from challenges, he runs two challenges. And so that's why his performance is so good in the fourth. Those other quarters will work on. So I, I think, just my take here, Jeff, before any spin happens to this, I think clearly this is Mike Tomlin saying like, hey, he's doing great in the fourth quarter. We do acknowledge that we want to be better in these other quarters, but like, People who think that Mike Tomlin is going to come out here and say, man, Kenny Pickett stinks in those first three quarters, <laughs> don't know how the, the dynamics between a coach and a quarterback are supposed to be. Unless unless you want Mike Tomlin to develop rifts with his, with his starting quarterback, I don't understand why there was such an uproar on social media about this because there were a lot of Steelers fans who were, who were saying like, 
he dodged the question. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He answered the question. He said, hey, we're, we're, we're looking at the positives of the fourth quarter. And he even said at the end of it, we're working on the other other quarters. Jeff, did you feel like – do you feel like Mike Tomlin is doing anything, you know, I guess disingenuous about this situation? Or do you feel like he's just kind of – he's kind of making sure like, hey, I'm not trying to bag on my quarterback in front of everybody? I think actually – you know, he's known Triv for a long time. Triv does work for the Steelers. This is they true. have a relationship, and they've had it for all of his 17 years. Mm-hmm. I think he was just trying to be funny. I think he was. Yeah. I, I really do, and and people are taking it and just running with it as if, oh, he's blowing off the first three quarters or he doesn't care or they're really not working. Of course they're working on it. Of course they want to be better. Of course they want to score every possession. And as he said, like, and I think he was joking, like, hey, why don't you make that more of a positive question instead of being so negative as, as the media always is? <laughs> but come at it from, hey, he's really great in the fourth. Like, what could he work on in the first three? But you know, I think he was having fun with the way the question was worded. And every news conference, I think from week two until now, that question has been asked. In some form, Yep, that question has been asked to him. And he's probably, A, tired of it. B doesn't have a, a, a great answer um, because they've tried things and they haven't worked. And to your other point, I don't think he wants to say that Kenny stinks or throw any doubt. There's enough doubt out there for Kenny. Mike's a pretty positive guy in almost every situation with his players. Uh, he's not going to throw them under the bus or, or let them see a quote where he's critical of them. So I think all those came into play. But the fact that we're seeing people think that they're not trying or they're not putting an effort or whatever like that couldn't be farther from the truth. Now there is something that changes in the fourth quarter and we could debate that and, and I'll hear that, but this Tom, I mean, come on, there are legitimate things you could be upset at Mike Tomlin for this. No, I'm right with you. I, I think that this is manufactured rage at this point, trying to get Mike Tomlin you know, in a quote, in a gotcha moment here, like, oh, he clearly doesn't want to. It's not that he doesn't want. Like Mike Tom would love some comfortable wins. Like he, yes. I'm sure Mike Tom would would love to cruise to a few victories and not have to sweat it out to the final moments. But it, it it's more of a testament to just how good he is at staying at, at pulling things out and getting his team to pull things out in those tight situations. When you look when you look at it this year, I mean, this year. Every one of their wins is just like the, the 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 staple that we have seen over the past two two seasons before this one. You got you hold your opponent to twenty or less, you know, with the with the exception of the Browns because they scored twenty two. Your defense get you, 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 is is makes some big plays, and your and your your offense protects the football, but then makes the push when they need to, and if it's late. They make they make it happen late. Now the Browns was was one game where they didn't do anything late. That was the defense that scored in right. that in that fourth quarter. But the Raiders, the Rams, uh, the Ravens, and the Titans, the offense did what they needed to do in in those situ- in those situations there. And they're five and three at this point. And again, this stems back to last year. You look back at how they played. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of a lot of their games. Uh, Kenny Pickett, especially in the second half of the season. You know, a game winning drive against the Saints. You know, Colts. Falcons, the Ravens, the Ravens win, the Raiders win, uh, you know, all of those games where you saw kind of this blueprint coming forth. This is not a blueprint as if like Mike Tomlin just wants all football games to be like this. It's an acknowledgement of, hey, 
you got a young quarterback who's still obviously figuring things out with an offensive line that's still figuring things out and a receiving group that's still figuring things out. And they're all trying to come together at the same time. That's not easy to win with. And, and some places it can be like, you know, CJ Stroud and the Texans, they're they're flying high. But CJ Stroud was also the second overall pick. And with a guy that everyone was was yep. trying to get, Kenny Pickett was picked at 20th. You know, there's a big difference. There's a big difference there. Um, but I think Tom, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and don't you think with CJ, because this, this has come up a lot recently, that he's just, there were no expectations. Like just go out there and play. Here, there are huge expectations. It's very Maybe good point. there shouldn't have been, but because you have a TJ Watt and a Cam Hayward and a Mika Fitzpatrick, you think that we, we don't want to waste those guys. So we got to win now. What can we do to let the defense carry us? So they have a different setup than what you see with Houston. Houston, it's like, Hey man, we're playing with house money. Go out there and fling it. And he's been really good, taking nothing away from him. It's a different scenario with the Steelers. Yes, they are intentionally being careful. And it's sometimes I would say they go to the extreme of playing not to lose, and that hurts them. Um, but their strength is their defense, not their offense. It's still a growing unit on offense. And, you know, for for several reasons, it hasn't come together. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of different reasons, and it's not because they don't want to fix it. It's because right. they, they they do want to fix it. And trust me, it, when the it, if this Steelers offense ever figures things out, they're going to be aggressive. Like I've I've seen this take, you know, even on like local media here where people have gone on shows and talked about this and say like, oh, Mike Tomlin's so conservative. Mike Tomlin's conservative on offense when it's time to be conservative on, on offense. He was the guy that pushed the NFL to push to, to change the two-point conversion rule to get more teams to want to go for two because he felt Ben Roethlisberger and that offensive line and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown that they could get it done. They were more aggressive in, in, in those days because the offense was the leading part of the team. Right now, and he brought it up today, he said, you know, the defense is the older part of the team. They're the group that is going to carry this roster, this young group. That's part of exactly. And they're also the group that's being that's paid the most, the, the most here on this, on this roster. So as they're developing the offense, it's going to take time, but it is not, it is not a, they do not want to start slow, but they acknowledge that like, Hey, in the midst of starting slow, it's best not to have them try to make the craziest risky plays to put yourself in holes that you don't need to be in when you have a defense that can Put you in the position to win the game late, and if you if you hit early, great, awesome, and then you build upon that. But until then, you have a formula that is obviously winning you football games. Yeah, and, and I think that's the proof right there. I mean, can you say that they've been lucky? Sure. If you want to, if you want to put it that way, that they're being lucky, that's fine. Um, but they're finding ways to win games. Are they going to have another blowout loss? Absolutely. I mean, this team, their, their margin for error is thin. Um, but when they play, when they don't make mistakes, when they do what they need to do, and especially when they can run the football and play action comes in, then you start seeing this offense taking it to another level. When they can get that run game going, they haven't been able to do it consistently. As we see that happen, like we saw against Tennessee, you're going to see more opportunities. And I think you'll probably see them take a few more chances. And I, yeah. and I would argue, listen, I think at times they have been too conservative. I would like to see them take a chance sure. or two George Pickens way. Like Mitch Trubisky came in. He's like, man, I felt like I had to take a chance. Well, don't take one throwing into triple coverage to Allen Robinson. Take yeah. one throwing outside to George Pickens. Like I'm cool with that. And then it's up to George to make sure that it's either caught or incomplete. 
Like I'm right. That's with his you. that's his role. It can't be intercepted. You gotta you gotta work defense. You gotta do whatever you can. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see them take some more chances. But they're doing. They sat in a room. They know their personnel. They figured out here's how we we're gonna win. They're a little bit more open than they were last year, um, but probably not as much to most fans' liking. Absolutely. Mike Tomlin responded to questions about George Pickens and some of the frustrations that have been seen with him. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jeff Hathorn from 93.7 The Fan. But first, we got to remind you, this show is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the website that you can that you can go to right now to buy tickets for your favorite events and where and make it so that it shouldn't be stressful. Because Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your favorite events, whether they're sports, music, comedy, and theater events. Anything near you, Game Time is going to have. It's an app that you can also download right to your phone right now and see all the killer deals they have even on last minute tickets and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat so that you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is an app that you download right to your phone and when you're looking at the the tickets that you want to buy you can see the view from the seats and they they remove all the hidden fees so that you they put it so that you don't have to be surprised by it. everything that you pay for is right up front when you look at, at, at game at your tickets on game time in the app. So you can get exclusive flash deals on ticket events for Steelers games, pit games, penguins games, and anything that you that you want that you want to go to. Game time is most likely going to help you find it, and they always get you the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less somewhere else, game time credits you 110% of the difference. That's the confidence that they're going to give you the best price. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, gametime.co. Term conditions apply. Create an account, redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, uh, there's been a lot of questions about George Pickens and stuff. And I've talked about this a little bit on this show. I talked about it with Alan Saunders on Monday. I talked about it on my own on Tuesday, but we, we got to revisit it because Mike Tomlin addressed it. And I think the way Mike Tomlin addressed the George Pickens stuff and quote unquote drama, I think is very interesting to talk about. So first I asked Mike Tomlin about the impact that George Pickens has when he's not getting the targets and he's not being on the stat sheet because Kenny Pickett talked about that. So we'll hear his response there. But then immediately after, Mike Tomlin is asked about Pickens' frustrations, and that's where I think that he started to put his his uh, master skills of handling a press conference at work. Here was Mike Tomlin addressing to George Pickens. Mike, Kenny talked about the impact George Pickens had just by drawing the double teams and what he opened up for the rest of the offense. How do you as a staff build upon that and seeing what defenses are doing to take him away? You know, that's just, you know, that's just everyday business. When you got a dynamic guy, I think we even talked about it some in here last week, um, that, you know, he dictates oftentimes that it's two-on-one football. And so it's an 11-on-11 game. And so when, when he's getting that type of attention, a guy like Deontay is going to have an opportunity to have volume catches. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to have a light box in your run game. is going to have an opportunity to be effective, for, for example. And so, um, man, we appreciate his talents. Um, we respect what people do to minimize his talents, um, but we function as a collective. Um, and there's some benefits um, for our collective when people uh, make the type of commitment that they 
made recently to try to minimize his impact on the game. Did George express any frustrations to you over the course of the season? Heck yeah, man. He expresses frustration all the time, man. he wants to be significant. Um, he wants to be a reason why we're successful. Um, man, y'all don't begrudge that. Um, I want guys who want the football. I want guys who want to be central reasons why we're successful. And so that's, um, you know, that's a non-issue to be quite honest with you. You've experienced though dealing with players, young players specifically, kind of working through that adversity, the structures. How do you coach a young player like that? Like breathing, it's easy. I know it's a cute story for you guys, but it is it is a pebble in my shoe, to be quite honest with you, in terms of the things that I have to do in an effort to get this group ready to play this week. Our focus is on the Green Bay Packers and what we're all going to do um, in this football game. Uh, and I can't state it any plainer than that. It's like reality television, the way you guys follow social media and write stories about it. So... The reality television part was definitely a, a shot at every. Yeah, that was a slap across the face for everyone who was talking about Instagram all weekend long. But okay, let's 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 break a few things down here. One, he talks about how like he welcomes Pickens wanting the ball, and I'm I'm right I'm right with him. This makes the most sense. Like, why are we complicating this? Most good receivers, if they don't get the football, they're saying something. There's some out there that might keep their mouth shut and, you know, good good for them. Like Larry Fitzgerald did, didn't do that. But also you never had to worry about Larry Fitzgerald getting thrown the football because he was he was going to get get that. But I think there was such a, a, a harsh reaction to George Pickens just not looking happy on the sidelines and then just posts on Instagram that no one knew what they even meant. They just assumed because they saw his his demeanor on the sidelines after Deontay Johnson's touchdown where he wasn't celebrating with him. And people started assuming the worst here. Meanwhile, Mike Tomlin's like, look, yeah, I'm sure he is frustrated because he, you know, he missed a touchdown and he wants more chances to get those those touchdowns. But you want those type of guys. You want guys who are going to make plays on your team. I don't think that this is some negative thing that people, that any, anyone who's trying to turn this into, I don't think that that's what we're looking at here. You know, I think ideally you want a guy you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald that wants the football, that wants to be a team player and is going to understand when the ball doesn't go his way. Those are really hard to find. Yeah. They are really hard to find that are good enough to play at this level. Like you could find guys at D three that understand and are cool and they know, and you know, yeah, I'm the best player, but this is what's best for the team. Like there again, ideally you want that. And it bothered me that Deontay after 655 days, finally scored a touchdown and that George wasn't over there to celebrate with him. And I agree. Not a great look. Deontay would have been one of the first to come over and celebrate Absolutely. with him. So that did tick me off. Um, and that's a maturity level that he's he still hasn't attained yet. Um, does that mean that he doesn't care at all? No. Uh, I, I don't. I get where Tomlin's coming from. Again, I, I think we all live in this ideal world that we wish everybody were Heath Miller. Well, the reality is not many people are Heath Miller. And a lot of the guys that get to this level have either been, I mean, coddled. Yeah. You know, when they when they make mistakes or are used to being the person every single level, every single team. Although George wasn't really at Georgia, I think he felt like this was his shot. Plus, you also you have all these voices yeah. coming from everywhere that are yapping mm-hmm. at you. And I think he's learning how to deal with it. And I'll say this, 
I think that social media stuff is crap. We'll, we'll mm. probably talk more about this, but uh, he didn't rip Kenny. No, he didn't rip the team. Nope. He just showed some frustration, and I think most of the guys in the room don't give to don't give a rats, and they we're going to ask them questions, <laughs> and, and they're going to answer it because we're asking them questions. But I think the only time it's really an issue or that they're talking about it is when we're asking them questions. Exactly. I think that's the whole thing here is that, you know, like there's frustrations, but it's not like, it's not like he's walking up to Kenny Pickett and being like, you, you're costing me. And I'm listen, I, I posted this on, on, on my Twitter on, on Tuesday. I think in general, Pittsburgh has Antonio Brown post-traumatic yes. distress disorder because every time a wide receiver acts out, not even act out. They just, they, they look discontent. There is a sense, oh, oh my God, he could be Antonio Brown. He could be, he could go crazy. What happens if he goes crazy? And I'm like, okay, first of all, not every receiver's in. Most receivers aren't Antonio Brown. And if if George, like, let's take each each action for what it is. Yes, George Pickens, not a good look. You should show support to your teammate, especially because he hasn't scored a touchdown since you've been on the team. But at the same time, that is not anything like. Antonio Brown not playing in the Bengals game. That was a must-win game for the Steelers to even have a shot in the playoffs. It's not like any of the trouble that Antonio Brown has gotten gotten into in his off off the field or you know anywhere else that, that he that he's gotten is nothing like that that kind of stuff. And I know there's some people out there going to be like, oh well, you know Tomlin he allows this kind of stuff to fester. There are people with attitudes and and, and emotions and expressions everywhere in sports. You know, look at Stephon Diggs with the Bills right now. Stephon Diggs, every, every the last like two or three off seasons, has been going, oh my gosh, does he not like Josh Allen? Is he does he want to go? No, he he doesn't. He he absolutely wants to stay. It's just that you know he's frustrated. Wide receiver is a tough position because you you literally can't do anything until the ball is thrown in your direction. And you probably only get that chance maybe eight to ten times in a game where there's you know maybe forty to fifty snaps when you're on the field. So that that's a tough situation, but I think this is a big hula. Like what you said, social media is what's driving this this stuff. The Steelers aren't driving it. No. I don't think too many of us in the media are driving it. This, yeah. this is more of a, a fan thing. And I, and I get the I get the Antonio Brown people being scared of how that ended here with Antonio Brown. But I ask you this, yeah, I know what you mean. And I ask this generally: mm-hmm. Would you trade those six years of Antonio Brown? Knowing what the end is, would you trade those six years of production? Hell yeah. Every time. Yep. I know how it ended. I know how bad it was. You give me that player for yep. six years. Yep. And tell I don't care how it ends. Like that's I, I think that's the thing that that probably Antonio gets a bad rap for. And I, I think, listen, Antonio's not a good person. He's done some horrible things. Yes. But on the football field, he was freaking dominant yes you couldn't stop him and if you no go ahead finish your point now i was gonna say and if i could get that out of george pickens for six years give it to me and if that means we have to release him after that's cool i'll take my chances because yep george pickens if he were to play at an antonio brown type level you'd see this offense take another take another step at least one Absolutely, and that opens up so much more in your offense here. Bottom line, Mike Tomlin knows what he has in George Pickens. I think one of I think you know people criticize Mike Tomlin on a lot of different things. I think managing players 
might be Tomlin's best coaching yes. trait, handling different guys in different ways. People talk about, oh, he he allowed Antonio Brown to do this. Listen, man, you saw Antonio Brown bounce around the league and out of the league in a year and a half. Mike Tomlin kept him on the Steelers for nine seasons. He kept that dude under wraps. James Harrison, who you know did at the end of his time with the Steelers, was upset that he wasn't getting playing yeah. time and left and left disgruntled. Guess what? Mike Tomlin had him from 2007 to 2017, and he's one of the greatest Steelers that ever that ever played. And Mike Tomlin has, I think, has over the years learned how to balance different things, and it's, it's not the same thing with every player. You know, Jimmy Johnson once once said, I treat I don't treat Emmett Smith like everybody else because I treat Emmett Smith like a superstar running back. A lot of if you ask any of the Steelers of the 70s, they'll tell you Chuck No, who tried who treated almost everybody the same way. He did not talk to Terry Bradshaw the way that he talked to Rocky Blyer and the way he talked to other guys on the team. If you were a superstar, he treated you differently because he knew he had to, because that's a big part of coaching is managing. Yeah, you didn't hire you don't hire Mike Tomlin to throw a challenge flag. Because he doesn't do that the best in the league. He does not. That's for sure. Yes. He, he does He does do those interpersonal relationships. Are there other things you could say that you wish were better? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but if you can maximize the most out of your players, and I don't think most sane people would look at Mike Tomlin and say he didn't get the most out of his players. There are always exceptions to that rule. But guys who came to the Steelers – played their hardest for this guy. And when you talk, when you go into that room, as you have, Chris, and you talk to these players, they love that. They play their tails off because they love Mike. And they think Mike shoots it to them straight and that they're going to, you know, they've been other places and they, and they think this is a great opportunity. Again, it's not that way. It's not a hundred percent, but for when you look at other coaches across the league, I would say Mike is as good, if not better than anybody at that thing. Are there game things we could talk about? We'll do that another time. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of this, uh, I'm with you. And, and I think he also, unlike any coach I've covered, could teach a master class at PR and more and spinning it. Like he spun that on us today about how it's just the media. And he doesn't always use that same one. Like he's clever. He comes up with different ways to diffuse situations and he never, throws his guys under the bus. Like I can think of maybe one or two times where he really wanted to get a point across where someone did something really bad. Presley like, Mar- like, yeah, maybe Martavis, yeah. you know, who's in the news now. Chooks this week. Right. Unless he really has something. And he doesn't do that without first telling the team about it. He's reemphasizing it. He's not throwing guys on blast. I'm right with you here, but, well, let's talk about what he did say about Chooks and why Broderick Jones is replacing him in the depth chart and not Dan Moore Jr. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Chris Chris Carter, Jeff Hathorne coming at you. But first, I want to remind you that we're also sponsored by DoorDash. Rye root for your team on an empty stomach when you can have DoorDash deliver all the foods you want to save on football watch party with, with all the all your favorites. Whether you want pizza, wings, pop, burgers, or even just buns, DoorDash can get it all delivered without missing the game. For me, I like to order some big shot Bob's wings delivered right to my door. Get me that Frank White sauce, and I am good to go. If I'm not feeling wings, I may call up Permanis. Get me a sirloin steak and cheese real quick. Just give me an old school Pittsburgh fries on 
the sandwich. No coleslaw. I don't mess with coleslaw uh, out there, though. But I love me some bromantis and all of those things. If you're a Pittsburgher, you can get all those right on DoorDash. Right now, you can get 50% off up to $10 in value when you get 50, when you spend $15 or more on your first order. All you have to do is download the DoorDash app today and enter the code LOCKED23. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3, LOCKED23. And you can and subject to change terms, get supply. But if you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favors with a $0 delivery fee on DoorDash with all eligible orders on a Dash Pass membership. It's just a membership. You sign up for DoorDash and it gets you amazing deal opportunities. Get prepared before game day. Stock up on all your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash to get ready to watch your team win. And again, that's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app today and enter code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms and conditions apply. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, Chris Carter, Jeff Hathorn, breaking things down. Let's talk about Broderick Jones. Now, officially on the Steelers depth chart that was a mint that was released Tuesday, the Steelers made Broderick Jones a starter. Now, they made Broderick Jones an or starter, which me- simply means it is him or Chooksakor for, which is usually a designation given when there's still a chance. that carrot. Exactly. Like somebody can still win this battle. Jeff and I know a lot about that because Pat Narduzzi does it all the time for pitch football and it's so annoying. But let's talk about what this means. Now, Jeff, a lot, everyone in this, everyone out there assumed when Broderick Jones was traded up for and drafted, he was being picked to be a left tackle to replace Dan Moore Jr. Slotted it in. Chooks is making $13 million a year or whatever. Like, you know, this is obvious what's going to happen. He did start for one time in Dan Moore Jr.'s shoes when he was injured, but was 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 placed when Dan Moore came back. And then in this last game, Chooks was a healthy was a healthy scratch. You know, he, he was available, but he didn't start. Broderick Jones started and looked pretty good, in my opinion. And now Broderick Jones is listed as a starter on the roster. Is this what you think the Steelers should go forward with right now, with Broderick Jones at right and Dan Moore at left? Or should this should this kind of be a temporary experiment to just get Broderick Jones more experience while Chooks is being punished for whatever he said at the end of the Jaguars game? Because that's what Mike Tomlin is pretty right. upset about. Um, do you think this is more of an experiment while that and then eventually he will get his chance to start at left tackle again? I don't know what he said, man. Like, yeah, I don't know either. That's crazy. That crazy. Bad that, you know, he's on the roster in case of an injury now. Like, like I, I, I wish I knew a context of, of kind of what he said. Listen, we've seen it. We saw it at camp. We've seen it. We saw it in practice. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time, <laughs> as, as you saw at camp, uh, they moved Dan over to the right side and had Broderick on the left uh, when they had Chooks not in there. If Chooks had a practice, you know, a day off or had a few reps off, that's the way they worked it. So I think to me, that was a surprise. Like if Chooks wasn't going to play, I would have thought you'd had Dan go over to that side. Now they seem pretty comfortable with Dan on that side. Listen, Dan had two really bad games to start the season. Yeah, he did. Bad. Now, probably accented with the fact that he was facing two really good pass rushers, even though Bosa wasn't 100%. You're dealing with Miles Garrett over on that side. That probably had something to do with the fact that he was graded so poorly. He's been better now. I think they feel like after he came back from missing that that game with the knee, that he's playing some more consistent 
football. So why mess that up? Chooks was the guy that was out. Let's keep Broderick over on that side. I think ultimately Broderick's the left tackle, and I think Dan slides over and fights to be that right tackle. But, man, just quickly aside on Chooks, so he's set to make about $11 million next year. Yeah. His buyout is three. Like, That's a pretty easy decision in my book. A lot of money. I mean, whatever he said, man, I don't know. I, I've liked my interactions with Chooks. He's he's very nice to talk to. Yeah, and I and I I don't I I again I, I don't have the context of what he said, but man, it must have been bad and it may have ended up costing him millions of dollars and an opportunity to play going forward for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It it, it might have. You know, we don't know how long he's gonna be in Mike Tomlin's doghouse. That that that, that can be a thing. You can earn your way out of it, but I think one thing, this might also not just be this one time. It might be an accumulation thing because, as I pointed out, you go back and watch the All-22 of the Steelers-Rams game. When Kenny Pickett won with the one, one got the sneak and the Steelers were given the first down, Tuxacorfor was like bad, was was at late going at it with a Rams player, and they were kind of pushing each other a little bit back and forth. Najee Harris had to break them up, and Chuk start was about to start it up again, and Najee had to like get in front of his face and say, get out of here, walk back to the huddle. And you know that moment, great for Najee Harris. That was I was looking at that like, what is Chooks doing? Like you, you, you guys need to get out of here because you know you're on the road. You just had a had a controversial call go your way. Just get get back, take knees, get the heck out of here with with the win. And now you're starting drama that could penalize your team and maybe put the, put this win in jeopardy. And yeah. to me, it might have been something along the lines like he said something. It might maybe it was to the team, maybe it was maybe it was something that could have gotten him penalized. But it might be a situation where Mike Thomas like you need to sit your butt down because yeah. you're 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 doing too much right now. You know what I liked about the line though, Chris? Like Chiefs mm-hmm. was moving like it was David DeCastro or Alan Fanica pulling. I mean, yeah. He's he's moving across that line, and I loved his mobility. You, you mean his you mean Broderick? His, yeah, Broderick. I'm talking yes. about, and and his ability to get to the second level and make an Reed. impact block there. Reed. I mean, it was like it, it was like at times what we saw, and I hate to use this name, but I will. Like Kendrick Green, Kendrick Green was great at pulling <laughs> and getting around, but like Broderick's like hitting somebody exactly, you know? and he's able to do the other stuff too. But I think that open. I think it's too simple to just say, well, they ran the same plays and they were blocked better. No, they didn't run the same plays. Like they were moving Broderick around. I thought Broderick had a really nice impact, even though he was graded lowly uh, by PFF. And, you know, we can have that discussion. Um, But I I thought he played better than what that score indicated. And it's no coincidence that they had by far their best rushing total uh, with him on that offensive line. And, Again, Dan Moore was on the left side. I think Dan was all right in that game too. I, I thought he, I thought he was too. Um, and, and to your point, the athleticism Broderick Jones br- brings to that right tackle spot or to the left tackle spot. And here's here's my thing. He gives you the position where let's say Dan Moore it does become like a major problem. Let's say, let's say, let's say like he's just giving it. He just he's playing so terribly. You could say, all right, Broderick, we're putting you back at left. Chooks, you want to earn this? You better earn this. Right. Um, because I also thought it was very interesting how Mike Tomlin, when Tim Benz asked him, you know, you know, is they is how much better is Dan Moore at left tackle than right tackle? And Mike Tomlin said he's significantly better at left at left tackle. And that kind of was a tip to me that was like maybe that's part of this equation too. Is that okay. if 
if everything was hunky dory and everything was sunshines and rainbows, Dan Moore Jr. could just move to right and the Steelers could plug Broderick Jones at left, Chooks Akura for they they could let him ride and they'd they'd, they'd save a whole lot of cap space, uh, you know, on a guy that's been so so for most of his career. And maybe that's what they wanted, but it's not happening because they've tried to get to get Dan Moore Jr. to be a right tackle, and he just hasn't fit in there yet. And it's a it's a it's a it's a different position. It's a flipping of the sides. It's not a given unless you're really talented. And Broderick Jones is really talented, and I think we're seeing that in in these opening games. I I wonder if that plays into it. But I think either way, I don't think that Broderick Jones' slot is it, this move makes him a right tackle for the foreseeable future. I think this is another chance for him to show how diverse he can be, how talented he can be, and then once he passes all these tests as a rookie. They're going to put him at left tackle, and they're going to find somebody who could play right tackle in a strong in a strong way and make this a more complete offensive line moving forward. And and to your point, I mean, you can find right tackles farther down in the draft, and and just because he's starting maybe his career for for a few games at right tackle doesn't mean he's going to he's not going to transition to the left. And now the Steelers have to look for a left tackle. Now, I, and I think you can not as much projects, but you can find guys like in the third round or in the fourth round yeah. that can play right tackle. Uh, and, and I think eventually they're going to do it. Listen, this offensive line is going to have some upheaval because four-fifths of it next year, a- after next season, their contracts are up. And that includes Chooks. Uh, only Sayamalu would be around. So there's going to be some changing. So don't worry that just because Broderick's starting on that right side that they don't have a left tackle or that's where he's going to be the rest of his career. There's going to be a lot of changes on that offensive line coming in the next season and a half. I agree. Broderick Jones is going to be somewhere in there. Where he'll be, we'll find out. Right now, he's at right tackle, and that's what looks to be what happens with the Green Bay Packers. We'll break down that Green Bay Packers matchup with our guy Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers here uh, on for Crossover Thursday on tomorrow's episode. But, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked On Steelers podcast on, on Wednesday. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. It, Jay Hathorne, you see the X following, uh, or you can find me, find our stuff at 937thefan.com. Uh, it's an honor to be with you. And listen, I'm lucky. I get to cover the Steelers and Pitt, which means, you know, we get more time together. Absolutely. We do get some more time together. We'll be together again Friday evening as the Panthers take on Binghamton. Two triple doubles. Back to back. (laughs) Bob Carrington, baby. Let's get that in. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find me here on the Locked On Steelers podcast Monday through Friday. And we'll be back again again Thursday with our crossover Thursday episode with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers getting you ready for Steelers Packers this week. Get.